Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. خدای زنده و جاودان است و سلطنتش بی زوال و بی پایان اوست که نجات میبخشد و میرهاند و کارهای شگفتانگیز در آسمان و زمین انجام میدهد اوست که دانیال را از چنگ شیران نجات داد Good morning again. I've had some mic problems today. Um, Hey, first, before we jump into this, first I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to those of you who sent me a card this past week. I I had mentioned my grandfather a couple weeks ago. We performed his service yesterday down in Palmdale, and it was an amazing time. Uh, He was a pastor. He was a, a godly man, and I just want you to know that your love and support, I'm mentally drained today, Uh, just mentally drained. It was a big day yesterday, but I had a grandfather who loved Jesus with his whole heart, who did everything that he could, yeah, yeah, and, and a grandmother who, who, who loves Jesus with her whole heart and did everything they could to invest in their children, to invest in their grandchildren, to make an impact in their community. And so as, as funerals go, as sad and as hard as funerals can be, this was, this was one of those funerals where we actually sang worship songs because we grieve not as those without hope. Can I get an amen? If you belong to Jesus... We have hope no matter what we're facing. And so I just wanted to say thank you for, for praying for me, sending me cards. I'm emotionally drained today, so hang with me this morning. Um, that's probably why I'm having mic issues. My brain is like still in Lancaster. But I have a couple of announcements before we jump into Daniel. Uh, coming up this summer, we are bringing Summer Bible Adventure back to South Valley. So we're very excited about that. We want you to know if you have a child who wants to go to this or if you want to bring your neighborhood Uh, kids to this June 20th through the 24th it's only $15 signups are available now it it costs $15 but but if you need help or assistance we are trying to raise funds to give scholarships to anybody who needs it so if you need assistance paying for for your child to go we will make it happen for you so signups are available only 400 spots so get signed up for that we're very excited for that we also have coming up summer camp for our junior high and high school students. They're going to be heading up to Yosemite area, and we're super excited. We're hoping to bring 40 junior high and high school students up to summer camp. And so if you have a junior higher, high schooler, sign them up for that. We are also raising funds, scholarship money for that. Half, we want to cover up to half of the cost of camp if you need that support, okay? So, so sign up for those things. We want, to, we want to continue to see our children grow up to love the Lord here at South Valley. So I'm going to pray We're going to jump into part two of our sermon series, Life in the Den. Will you guys pray with me? 
God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity right now to open up your word. I pray, God, that you would calm my heart and my spirit and give me the ability to focus right now on the task in front of us. We thank you for Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, their, their love for you, their ability to stand firm when things were tough. And once again, we thank you for the moms in this room. I'm grateful for my mother, for my grandmother, for my stepmother, for the, the women that you've placed in my life to invest in me and love me. And I'm, I'm just grateful for the women in this room here today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So today is week two of our new sermon series on Daniel, Life in the Den. Last week we took a quick look at the historical cultural context of the book of Daniel. And we also looked at two major themes in the book of Daniel. So just a little bit of recap, we learned that in 605 B.C., I want, I'm giving you guys dates and history because I want you to know that when we study these books, we are talking about real historical events. Okay, this is not a fairy tale. This is not, this is not a legend. These things actually happened. You could go to these places. You, can see art, you could see artifacts from this time period. You could learn about these events in your regular history books in whatever school uh, they're, they're teaching about these events. So in 605 B.C., we learn that Daniel and his friends were kidnapped and forced into exile by an evil king named Nebuchadnezzar. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, he raided Jerusalem two more times after that until he finally burned everything to the ground in 586 B.C., including Solomon's temple, the first temple, burned it to the ground. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem, he turned it into a vassal state, and he brought the best and the brightest from the land back to his hometown of Babylon, located in modern-day Iraq. That's where Babylon was located. And it's also where there's another famous scene in the Bible, the Tower of Babel. Okay, so there, 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 there's a lot of history in this one location. Well, once in Babylon, after these youths were kidnapped and brought back, they were completely reprogrammed. Their names were changed from names that honor God to names that honor Satan. They're, they were forced into a government-mandated re-education program where they were trained in astrology and the occult for three years. You were forced to go through this. You weren't going to get other worldviews. You were trained to become a Babylonian and to worship like a Babylonian. And they were also, we talked about this last week, kind of awkward and strange. And some of you squirmed when I said it, but it was true. They were even castrated. Yeah, bad day. And all of this was done to make one statement. And it's this. Your life belongs to Babylon. Your identity is the one we give you. Your job is the one we assign you. And the only passion you're allowed to have in this life now is a passion for the wishes of the king. This is a really bad day. This is a terrible day. I don't know when you last had a bad day, but this is the worst day you could imagine. Your identity is lost. Your family is gone. You're stolen from your homeland. And now you are the property of a wicked king. Now, what's encouraging, though, about Daniel's story is that it's actually a rags-to-riches story. You see, although Daniel starts out as a bit of a horror story, right? We talked about the Babylonian invasion. It sounds like this is going to be a terrible story, a horror story. The tone of the story quickly changes as God empowers Daniel and his friends to overcome incredible adversity. Now, 
I love stories where people beat the odds. Don't you guys love those kinds of stories? I love watching documentaries about people beating the odds. I love watching TV shows, movies, any kind of story of somebody who is rising up against the odds. They are, they, it doesn't look like anything good could come out of their circumstances if they put their foot down and they decide, I'm going to, I'm going to make the most of this, and they, and they do it. Those are the kind of stories that inspire me. A few weeks ago, my kids and I, so I have a daughter named Blake. She's seven years old. I have a son named John. He's six years old. And, and it's so hard to find shows to watch with kids, right? I get tired of always seeing a cartoon on my TV screen. Any, anybody else get tired of that? I just get tired of it. Like, just let, I just want to see a regular adult. Just one time to show me an adult. So I'm looking for shows every now and then that they can watch that actually has, you know, an adult on the screen. We found this show, and in this show, uh, there was this really cool story about a guy named Wheels. Here's a picture of Wheels right here. Wheels was born with something called spina bifida. And because of spina bifida, he has been in a wheelchair his entire life. The crazy thing, though, about this guy, Wheels, is even though he's in a wheelchair, he had a desire from a young age to be an action sports athlete. Okay, there are not action sports athletes in wheelchairs, but he had this dream and this desire, and he was determined, and so eventually he took this little wheelchair out onto the skate park in his town, and he started dropping in at a skate park and hitting ramps and hitting rails and, and doing things in his wheelchair that people couldn't even do on a skateboard. Until finally, a few years later, he started flipping his wheelchair over 70-foot gaps in something called the Nitro Circus Tour. Yeah, so that's, that's wheels, all right? So they saw wheels, and they were so inspired. Because Will's story is a story of, of never giving up, of, of making the most of what you have, of trying to beat the odds. You see, people would have looked at wheels, and no one would have ever assumed that this guy could be an action sports athlete. But today, he is performing in shows all around the world with guys like Travis Pastrana. Any Travis Pastrana fans? Anybody? Anybody? Thank you. All right. Us, we need to hang out. All right. The three of you, we need to hang out because I'm a huge Travis Pastrana fan. So, rags to riches stories. Daniel is a rags to riches story. The odds are stacked against him. How do you feel today? Maybe the odds are stacked against you. Maybe you are dealing with some things in your life today and you feel like the mountain is too big for you to climb. You feel like the odds are not in your favor. Maybe you have felt your entire life like the odds are not in your favor and you've been scratching and clawing and wondering, can I actually defeat these problems in my life? Can I actually succeed when things are not going my way? Well, Daniel learned how to succeed in Babylon. His story is one of courage and conviction and doing the impossible. It's a true story about excelling with God's help even when the odds are stacked against you. And so today I want to share with you guys three ingredients, key ingredients to Daniel's success in a sermon titled Succeeding in Babylon. And so when the odds are stacked against you and the world seems to be coming at you, what characteristics do you need in order to succeed, to overcome? So let's look together at Daniel. If you guys have your Bibles or an app or whatever you use, go ahead and turn now to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 5. This is what it says. 
It says that the, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Skip down to verse 8. But Daniel resolved. It's an important word here. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that the king drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him to not defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he set, see that you were in worse condition than the youths who were of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king? Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He said, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat at the king's food of the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. That's our passage today. Now what I want you to see in this passage is that although Nebuchadnezzar was a cruel king, he was also a cunning king. Because how was he trying to win people, woo people over to his side? What was he doing to woo over these young guys to become Babylonian? What did he do? He offered them the best food and the best wine. Now, some of us are like, oh my gosh, Babylon doesn't sound that bad. That was exactly what Nebuchadnezzar was trying to do. You see, it's not that bad in Babylon. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got to, you know, leave Yahweh. Yeah. And yeah, maybe, you know, you're not going to be with your family. I'm, I'm going to erase your identity and you're not going to get to worship your God anymore, but, but at least you get some good food and you get some vintage wine and you get to be around some very attractive people. Because what did we learn in Daniel chapter 1? That he only kidnapped the, those who looked good on the outside. And so in his court, best food, best wine, attractive people. And he's taking these young teenagers and he's training them up to be Babylonian and he's feeding them and he's giving them some of the, the fruit, the fat of the land. And he's trying to show them, hey, look, it's not that bad out here. It's not that bad to become Babylon, Babylonian. Nebuchadnezzar was cunning. Kings like Nebuchadnezzar, they were cunning because they would figure out ways of making people depend on them. Now, just a side note, this was actually a common practice among kings during this time. This is not just something that Babylon did. Other kings did this. They didn't always utterly destroy their enemies. They often sought to convert their enemies, to assimilate their enemies into the culture. You think of guys like Alexander the Great, and we're going to learn about Alexander the Great in this book of Daniel because Daniel prophesies about Alexander the Great. He goes from town to town. He expands Greece all over the known world. And when he goes to a town, instead of destroying it, he turns that place into a small version of Greece. That's why there's so many Alexandria towns all over the map if you go to the Mediterranean world. Later on, Rome came into power and they had all this kingdom and they didn't want to destroy everybody in their kingdom. They just wanted to assimilate everybody into their kingdom and get the taxes and get the culture and make them Roman. Well, this started with guys like, Babel, like Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. But here's the problem with Babylon. 
If you bucked the system, if you refused to do things the king's way, you could either conform or you would die. Those are your options. Conform, be like everybody else, do what we tell you, renounce your God, or you could die. Play by the rules or lose your head. Those were the options. Well, here is where Daniel faced his real conflict in Babylon, his first real conflict in his spirit in Babylon. This is what it says, Daniel 1.8. Listen to again what it says. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Now, we don't know what was wrong with that food, but something about it wasn't kosher. Something about it, either the way it was prepared or maybe it was sacrificed to an idol of some kind. But Daniel knew there was something not right with this food. And so he refused to eat it. And he he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. So so how did Daniel respond? He, he, He lived with conviction. Daniel's response is key number one to succeeding in Babylon. If you guys feel like you are living in Babylon... If you feel like you are facing insurmountable odds in your life, key number one to overcoming the odds, key number one to living and thriving in Babylon, thriving even when the odds are stacked against you is this, live with conviction. Live with conviction. Now there's no doubt that living in a godless society is going to test your convictions as a Christian. Have you guys noticed that? Life in Babylon was incredibly hard for God's people, but so is life today. Life today is incredibly hard for God's people. Life in the years to come is likely only going to get even harder for God's people. And so when you are facing Babylon and your convictions are under attack and your values are under attack, And you are asked to go along with the system and to turn from God and do things, do what everybody else is doing. What are you going to do in that moment? Are you going to fold or are you going to live with conviction? You see, in today's culture, if you're a Christian, you are going to be pressured daily to abandon your convictions as a believer. You're going to be pressured on social media to abandon your values. You're going to be pressured on the news to reject your worldview. You're going to be pressured at school and in the workplace to be silent about the things that are important to you unless you want to be canceled or unless you want to be censored. You're going to be pressured by celebrities to adopt causes that maybe are, you know, don't re- reflect God at all. You may even lose friends or family members if you refuse to, re- to surrender what you know to be true. The question is this, are you going to stand on your convictions? I believe that one thing that this book is teaching Christians today and should be cr- teaching Christians today is this, it is good and right and okay for Christians to live with conviction. Can I get an amen? You have been trained for years and years and years to silence your convictions, to be quiet. It's okay to live with conviction. You know why? Because Daniel did it. Daniel lived with conviction. We may not be in Babylon, but sometimes it sure feels like it. And if you're a Christian, 
then this world is going to pressure you. And it's going to pressure you, and it's going to pressure you. Until you are faced with an option. You either stand up and you live with conviction, or you give up, you give in, and you follow along with what everybody else is doing. Those are the options that you have as believers, if you are in fact a believer here today. Now, have any of you guys, and I know the parents, especially the, the, the moms with young children in the room, have seen this movie. Have you guys seen this movie, Encanto? Anybody? Yes? We don't talk about Bruno? Anybody? Yes? Okay. Now, uh, I love this movie. We've watched it, I don't know, uh, a million times, and that's not even an exaggeration. So, my, my daughter loves this movie. Johnny loves this movie. Uh, we, t- we don't talk about Bruno. It's an amazing song. But there's also my favorite song on the movie is a song called Surface Pressure. You guys remember the Surface Pressure? Surface Pressure is about the oldest daughter in this family. She's the strong buff one over in the corner there. Okay. Everyone leans into the buff sister for everything. Okay. So if they got a problem, if life is tough, if they need work around the house, it's like, all right, we got a buff sister, Louisa. Let's have her do it. Let's lean into her. And, and she gives this song and, and, and she talks about pressure. She says this in the song. She says, it's pressure like a drip, drip, drip that'll never stop. Pressure that'll tip, tip, tip till you just go pop. Pressure like a grip, 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 and it won't let go. Pressure like a tick, tick, tick till it's ready to blow. You guys remember that song? It's a very good song. reason I'm showing you Encanto is because that is exactly how Satan erodes followers of God. Pressure. And pressure, and pressure, and pressure. A little pressure here, a little pressure there, a small temptation here, a big compromise there, and boom, all of a sudden, you look up and you're a Babylonian. Slowly, through pressure. This is why God's people were in Babylon in the first place. You see, God's people, they were placed in this amazing spot of land on the hinge of Africa Asia and Europe. They were literally located. Israel is literally the center of the world. That's why still today, you turn on the news, everyone's fighting over Israel. Israel is still a hot topic and will be a hot topic until the day that Jesus comes back. Because Jesus is, yeah, because Jesus is going to set up a new Jerusalem, a new holy city, a new heaven, a new earth. That is the hope that we have. And so Jerusalem, Israel is always going to be at the center of, of the stage when it comes to world events. Well, and it was actually the center of the world. Well, in Israel, the problem was this. They had this amazing plot of land. They had the laws of God. They had everything they needed to thrive and live a life that honored God. But all of a sudden, they began to be influenced by all the countries and all the societies that were around them. And false gods came into their midst, and different rules and, and, and values came into their midst, and they were eventually turned from God. They went so far downhill. We learned about this last week that they got to a point where not only were they worshiping pagan gods and disobeying God's law and, and killing God's prophets, but they were even sacrificing their own children. That's what was happening in Israel. And so God said, enough is enough. And so he pulled them out of the land, and they were exiled in a land called Babylon. And so Daniel, even though he's being punished for the sins of his people, Daniel himself was not the one sinning. 
He was just dealing with the problems of the generations before him. People who should have loved the Lord, who knew the Lord, but rejected him. And now Daniel and his friends were suffering in the process. And so they decided in their heart, they were resolved in Babylon, even though they were no longer in their home country, they decided we are going to live with conviction. And so he was a great student. And he worked hard in Babylon, but as soon as something violated God's law, he stood up. You see, one thing that Daniel and his friends had that we should pray for in our own lives is they had something called wisdom. Daniel and his friends, they picked their battles. You see, they knew the difference between what we don't like and what God commands. You see, I don't think Daniel liked being changed from Daniel to Belshazzar. I don't think he liked that, but he didn't fight back against it. It's like, whatever. Call me what you want. That doesn't mean I'm going to become a a worshiper of your gods. He was even forced to study the occult, a three-year program where they forced him to learn about things that he didn't want to learn about and to learn about these gods and to be well-versed in these gods. But even that, he's like, okay, whatever, teach me what you want. It doesn't mean that I'm going to abandon my God. But the moment Daniel was asked to break God's law, he stood his ground. But notice in this passage how Daniel stood his ground. You see, Daniel approached his enemies in a respectful manner. Did you hear that? He approached his enemies in a respectful manner. Daniel didn't go on social media and make fun of the chief eunuch, okay? Daniel didn't start a debate on Facebook about why that food was bad. He approached the eunuch with with gentleness, even though the eunuch didn't deserve it. Daniel didn't raise at his house a let's go Nebuchadnezzar flag. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have my thoughts about our current administration. I'll keep them to myself, though. (laughs) But at the end of the day, whoever your enemies are, how do you treat your enemies? How do you treat those on the opposite side of your party lines? How do you treat the people on social media that don't agree with you? How do you treat the people posting things that are horrendous? Daniel, although he stood for what was right, he did it in the right ways. He didn't insult the steward. He didn't slander the king. He suggested a solution that would be mutually beneficial and trusted that God would make a way. Listen to what happened. Daniel 1 verse 8 says, Therefore he asked. He asked. He asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh. Okay, so here, being fatter in flesh is a good thing. All right? So this is, if you're fatter in flesh in the Old Testament, it's because you got money. And life's been good. It's a, it's a good thing. People who were, who were thin back in these days were thin because they couldn't afford food. So if you, were, if you had some meat on your bones, you were blessed by God. Can I get an amen from anybody? Yeah, because it's, it's, you're still blessed by God today. All right. So the steward took away their food from the other guys and the wine that they were to drink, and they gave them vegetables. 
So the result of Daniel's dietary experiment was conclusive. He and his three friends came out superior to the other hostages in every category of comparison. They had greater physical improvement, they had greater intellectual improvement, and they even gained greater influence in the eyes of the king. They stood for their convictions, and God honored them for it. So here's the thing. When you face enormous challenges... It's easy in the face of those challenges to despair over your circumstances. We talked about wheels. Wheels could have despaired over his circumstances, but instead he decided he would use this chair to do something amazing in this chair. And so Daniel had that same mindset. He would choose optimism in the face of despair, which is key number two. When the world is coming at you and you feel like things are just overwhelming, key number two is to choose optimism over despair. Choose optimism over despair. Three times in chapter 1, we find the phrase, the Lord gave. It says the Lord gave Daniel and his friends favor and compassion. What you're going to notice as we go through the story of Daniel is that Daniel never once panicked or overreacted in the face of opposition. Amid life-threatening situations, he remained poised and peaceful and came up with brilliant solutions because he chose optimism over despair. When life is coming at you, when you are losing things, when you are struggling with insurmountable odds, what is your go-to? Is your go-to despair? Is your go-to spinning all of these bad thoughts in your head? Or is your go-to optimism? Is your go-to, you know what, I don't know why this is happening or how it's going to work out, but I trust that in the midst of these trials, in the midst of these struggles, God is going to do something good, and so I'm going to trust him. I'm going to choose optimism over despair. When the odds are stacked against you, do you despair or do you lean into God for solutions? One thing I want you to know throughout this book is that panic and despair are never from God. Panic and despair are never from God. If you're wondering where God is today in the midst of your trials, whatever trials you might be going through, one thing I want you to know is that God is where he always is and where he's always been and where he will always be. If you are struggling, God has always been in the same place in the midst of your struggles. You know where that is? His throne. He is always on the throne. God is on the throne. Doesn't matter what you're facing. Doesn't matter what you're going through. He is on the throne. My wife posted this on Facebook this week, and I thought it was awesome, so I stole it. She said this, One of the marks of spiritual maturity is the quiet confidence that God is in control without the need to understand why he does what he does. You hear that? Daniel, at the end of the day, chose optimism over despair because he knew at the end of the day no matter what he was facing although he was dealing with an evil king the real person on the throne was not this king the real person on the throne was Yahweh and so because of that he faced whatever came his way you can face whatever comes your way church I don't care what it is how big it is how hard it is you can face whatever comes your way if you live with conviction and you trust that God is on the throne do you believe that here this morning that is the message of Daniel Daniel didn't panic 
Daniel didn't curse God. Daniel stood firm and chose optimism over fear. He prayed and he believed that God would guide him through the ups and downs of living in Babylon. And God came through time and time again, which leads to our final point in Daniel's story today. Key number three for succeeding in Babylon, and it's this. Stay humble. Stay humble. You're facing insurmountable odds today. Live with conviction. Choose optimism over despair and stay humble. There's another very important phrase from the book of Daniel, and it comes from the episode of the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're about to be sent into this furnace. And they say these amazing words. They say, our God can, he can save us. Our God will, actually, he he will save us if he wants to, but even if he doesn't, I trust him. Even if he doesn't, I will not abandon him. Even if he doesn't, I will even die for him. That's what these young men were going through in their day. So when we talk about Babylon today, this was a much worse Babylon than what we might experience sometimes uh, in, in our current culture. They were actually standing on for life and death issues, but in the midst of it all, they were humble. Our God can, our God will, but even if he doesn't. God can fight for me, God will fight for me, but if, even if he doesn't, I trust him. I'm his humble servant. So what happened when the training was over? They had their vegetables, they had their water, they rejected the wine. What happened at the end of this test? What happened when they finally met the king? Daniel 1, 17. says, as for these four youths, Daniel and his friends, God gave them learning. You hear that? God gave them his grace, his providence, his, his, his love and mercy. He gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Here was the test. How did Daniel and his buddies match up with all the other young guys that were kidnapped? And we're, we're talking about guys from other places like Egypt and all around. Babel, Nebuchadnezzar was not just invading Jerusalem. He was invading everywhere, all around him. So how would Daniel and his buddies match up with the, with the best Babylonians and the best of the other cultures? What was going to happen? They stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom... And every matter of understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and all the enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. You see, the book of Daniel is a rags-to-riches story. It's a story that shows us that when we live with conviction— when we choose optimism over despair, when we stay humble and we lean into the Lord and trust him to go come through for us, that we can excel in ways that we can't even get the credits, credit for because these guys were 10 times better than everybody else. Why? Because God was for them. God was with them. God was in their corner. God is for you. God is with you. God is in your corner. I hope you know that and trust that and believe that here this morning. Daniel and his friends, teenagers, if you're a teenager here in the room today, I want you to hear this. Daniel and his friends, 
graduated top in their class. Top in their class. Even though they were learning a, a, a system of, of teaching and, and religion that was not theirs and that they hated, they decided, you know what, if I'm going to be a captive in the king's court, if I'm a slave here, I'm going to be the best slave around. And so they worked hard, they gave their all, and they stood out among the rest. Daniel's autobiography reads like a modern-day rags-to-riches story. From his lowly position as a captive, he was promoted again and again and again until he finally rose to the highest echelons in the governments of his captors. And Daniel, the crazy thing about his story is he remained there in that land for 70 years. And so king after king, Nebuchadnezzar would die, a new king would come. That king would die, a new king would come. And guess where Daniel remained? In the king's court. He grew up to be a trusted advisor. Somebody that all of these pagan kings in that time, this dark time, would lean into Daniel for wisdom and strength and for guidance. Even though Daniel was never freed. He was never freed to go back to his homeland. It wasn't until after he died that his people were finally set free from captivity in Babylon. But Daniel, in the king's court, year after year, in in the public eye, he stood for his values. He stood for his God. He treated his enemies with respect. And because of it, he, he, he thrived in Babylon. He succeeded when the odds were stacked against him. That is the book of Daniel. Now, I'm going to have the band come up on the stage right now. Uh, John, if you could play us out. I wanted to give you guys, in closing, three ways to respond to this sermon today. You know, as I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking about you guys. And I was thinking about, actually, the exciting things that have been happening here at at South Valley. It has been an exciting time for me. We've been seeing salvations. We've been seeing baptisms. We've been seeing people sign up to serve in new ways. We've been just seeing a movement of God, and it has been exciting. But as God moves, and as His Spirit works, and as we see new people, and as services fill up like today, more people are going to have to step up into roles of service and leadership and a desire to be used by God. You see, the book of Daniel is so encouraging because it shows us that God is just looking and surveying and waiting for somebody to say, hey, God, use me. I'm ready. I'm ready. I know times are tough. And I may not have it all together. I may still be struggling with things. I got sins and and pains and whatever in my past and burdens. I'm still having a struggle letting go of, but, but, but I just use me. If you could use a bunch of teenagers in a wicked nation, you could use me. God is looking for people to use. People who are gonna say, I am going to stand and build my life on the rock of Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I have it all together. Doesn't mean I'm going to nail it every single day. But I'm going to trust God with whatever comes my way. And I want to be used for him. David Jeremiah says it this way. In every age, God is looking for those men and women who he can use. Maybe today God is talking to you and saying, hey, you know what? You want to see a change in the world? You want to see a change in the community? You want to see a change in the values and the culture that we're living in? Well, guess what? I want to use you to make that change. I want to use you. So three ways to apply the message. Number one, 
Choose today to be used by God. Some of you will read this story and you're going to think, well, you know what? It's too late for me. I already blew it. I'm no Daniel. I don't live with conviction. I'm not optimistic. I'm, I'm rarely kind. Choose today to make a change. God is looking for people to use. Make today the day you say, yes, God, use me. It doesn't matter about your past. God will take you as you are today to use you. Number two, pray for wisdom. Daniel and his friends had wisdom because they prayed. Pray for wisdom. God gave them exceptional wisdom and how to face overwhelming adversity. And his story is unique because he, he, was, he, he knew that God was still in the middle of writing it and he trusted God to do things that were unforgettable. So pray for wisdom. James says it this way. If you need prayer and if you lack, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives it generously to those without reproach and it will be given to him. Anytime you need wisdom, ask for it. And finally, point number three, find godly companions. Daniel didn't do this alone because he had three guys right next to him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you want to make a difference in the world, you want to make a difference in this community or in our culture, you're not going to be able to do it alone. You need people in your corner. And that's the reason why we do special events as a church. That's why we have men's breakfast coming up. So men, if you guys want to sign up for that, we're eating next week. We'd love for you to be there. We want you to have godly companionship. That's why we have spring fling for the women. Can we give it up for the women? You guys excited for that? Coming up right around the corner here. That's why we do this stuff, so you have godly companionship. That's why we have the senior luncheon right around the corner. That's why we have summer camp and VBA and all of these different things that we're doing so that you can have space for godly companionship. We want to grow through growth environments where you can lean into others. Live with conviction. Choose optimism over despair. Stay humble. That's our reminder in Daniel today. Will you guys pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for this chance to worship. I thank you for Mother's Day, and I just ask, God, that today that the moms in this room would feel honored, that they'd have a great time celebrating with their family and their friends. And, and we just thank you for the blessing of moms. I thank you for my mom and the impact she's had in my life. And I thank you for my wife and, and my grandmother and every, all the women around me and in this room today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Happy Mother's Day. If you need prayer this morning, please stick around. We would love to pray with you. God bless. We'll see you guys next week.